The following audio is from Grace Fellowship of Westerville. To learn more about our church, please visit our website at www.gracefcwesterville.org. And I think today we're going to deal with something that's just believe is going to be personal to everyone, relevant to all of us. We're going to be speaking today on wisdom's answer to anger. Let me ask you a question while you're turning there. How many of you ever get angry? Everybody get angry? Except for a few hypocrites that didn't raise their hand. Obviously, they got ice water for blood. And tell you the truth, last week we kind of took a pause since it was New Year from Proverbs and went in Timothy and we talked about how to start out the new year without fear, right? And today I was going to preach about, like, continue that on, how to be prosperous in the new year. Leave me. Proverbs tells us how to be prosperous, and we'll touch base next week. But everything that was going on in the country this past week, I was just seeing a lot of angry people, right? After recent events, Mexico said, you know what, never mind, we will pay for that wall. And Canada said, we also want that wall up there, up north. There's just a lot of angry people. And Proverbs chapter 19 in verses 11 and 12 says this. The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook transgression. The king's wrath is like a roaring of a lion, but his favor is like dew on the grass. You know, somebody said that anger is an acid that destroys its own container, and indeed it does. It's, it's an acid that doesn't really harm anyone except you it's container and talking about I'm talking about the ungodly anger unjustified anger and not all anger is bad as a matter of fact in one place of scripture there's several the bible tells us and commands us to be angry but I'm talking about the ungodly anger unjustified anger and the bible has a lot to say about anger but this morning I just want to focus on four basic thoughts Because sudden anger, this uncontrolled anger, needs to be controlled. And if we're one of those people that we take pride in, um, you know, being angry or blown up in two seconds, the Bible has a lot to say about those kind of people. And some people just say, you know, you heard excuses, it's in my Irish blood, or, you know, I'm a redhead or something like that. But it comes out of you because it's in you, as we heard before. And it's like a loaded shotgun, right? It only lasts for a while, but how much damage does anger really cause? And I want to take a look this morning because I don't want anybody at Grace Fellowship to be having sudden anger with all these recent events that are happening and not to be quick to be angry because our text tells us discretion, it defers Anger. That is, a man who is a wise or a woman does not fly off the handle. And let me give you some other scriptures from Proverbs. In Proverbs 14, 17, it says, A quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of wicked intention is hated. And if it's just reading straightforward language, it says, You're a fool if you're quick to get angry. Sometimes people say, and you know, you heard me say it before, don't call me a fool. Why didn't God did? That's what he says here. Quick-tempered man acts foolishly. 
In Proverbs 15, 18, it says, A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger allays contention. So God is saying to us, just be slow. Don't be in such a hurry to get angry. I heard of her mother, a little boy who, she had a little boy who was known to misbehave all the time. And she went, took this little boy to her birthday party, and she said, hey, if Ms. Jones sends you home before the party is over, you're going to get a spanking. Fifteen minutes later, the boy shows out back at home, and she just goes off on him and spakes him and all that stuff, and then she says, now tell me what you did. I said, Ma, the party ain't till tomorrow. So, folks, in Proverbs 18.13, it says, he who answers a matter before he hears it, it is a folly and shame to him. I wish I knew that verse when I was five, <coughs> Mom. And, you know, I had a friend with all this stuff that's going on, and he was kind of asking what my opinion is and all that stuff. But he said he went into Facebook and went to the different chats or groups. You know, there's the Trump group. There's the Democrat group. He said, I just wanted to do a test. He went over to the Trumpsters. He said, I'm a Democrat. He went over to the Democrat, said, I'm a Trumpster. And he told me that he got one result. People just called him trash, just called him a bigot, and all those things from both sides. Why? Nobody asked him, like, what do you really believe or where do you stand? He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is a folly and shame to him. And that's what happens in our country. We don't, we don't discuss anymore. It's blue and red. It's us versus them mentality. And if you look at Proverbs 25, 8, it says this, Do not go hastily to court, for what will you do in the end when your neighbor has put you, or put you to shame? Do not go to hastily to court. That is, don't jump into an argument too quickly. For what will you find in the end? That's, you're going to start something you can't finish. And then your neighbor is going to put you to shame. And what happens with anger it's such a feeling and emotion that we have where our mouth starts functioning faster than our mind. And we put, you know, our mouth into action before our brain is in gear. And we're going to find out that we can't finish what we started. And then Proverbs 29, 20 says, do, do you see a man hasty in his words? There's more hope for a fool than for him. Now, this verse says that you don't even come up to being a fool. you got to work your way up to be a fool. Do you see a man hasting his words? There's more hope for a fool than this man. So if we're one of these peoples that we get quick to get angry, sometimes, you know, if you say I have a dynamic personality by blow, always blowing up, if it's a badge of honor, we need to start thinking of the consequences, you know, just Simple ones. You can lose your job. You can lose your friends. You can lose your children. You can lose your wife. You can lose a few teeth. I don't know, depending on who you get angry with. And most importantly, as Christians, we lose our testimony. We lose our testimony. So when the Bible says defer anger, anger needs to be controlled. It needs to be contained. And the first thing we need to do is confess it. We need to confess it. There are a lot of us who just simply don't admit that we get angry. 
like those that didn't raise their hand. You know, we're Christians. We don't get mad. We're, we're good people. No, we do. We have human nature in us, and we do. And folks, the first thing we need to do is confess it. And after we confess it, after we admit we get angry, and folks, by the way, personal experience, when you repress anger, it'll do all kinds of psychological and health things to you, you know, high blood pressure, you know, all those, all those things, your muscles tense up, your bloodstream and all that stuff. And it, every time we get this needlessly justifiable anger, we just drive another nail into our coffin, folks. So the first thing we need to do when we have anger overcoming us is just basically confess it. We can't repress it. We need to confess it. Bring it to the Lord and say, there's something inside of me that I don't like. Control it. You know, and somebody said when you repress this anger, is like putting a, a wastebasket in a closet and lighting it on fire. It might burn out or it might burn the whole house down. So the first thing we need to do is just confess it. And folks, the second thing we need to do is analyze it. Oftentimes enters, you know, when we get this feeling of anger and it enters our mind, what happens? We've been talking about wisdom. Wisdom departs. So you need to analyze it. What is, what is it, Lord, that's making me upset? That's why we're told to use discretion. And if you look at Proverbs 14, verse 29 says, He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. So when you get angry right away, we need to confess it. We need to analyze it. And folks, there was a certain individual, I'll share a story with you, that used to make me very angry when it came to technology. And for this illustration, we'll give him a name, Dad. You know, and it'd be like, how do you send an email? Well, I'll show him, write it out. Two days later, need your help. How do you send an email? Do the same thing. Two weeks go by, how do you send an email? And you just get that anger, right? But after analyzing it, it's not the problem with him, it's a problem with me because if you analyze it, okay, here's a man. And throughout all his career, he was not behind a desk. He was manual labor, working. He didn't use computer, Word, emails, or those kind of things throughout 30 years in the United States, and you expect him to know latest technology? So after you analyze it, you know, you understand it, and you need to become so angry. So again, I sit down, I write it out. Two days later, how do you send an email? So we have to analyze it. What is it that's making us angry? And is it really worth being angry about? And we'll talk about righteous anger. And, you know, some people say, well, I can't control it. You know what I found out? You can. You can't control your anger. Uh, another example for you is, you know, <laughs> those that are married, you ever have those conversations where the neighbor's here two, two, two blocks away? You know, I was trying to explain my wife to, to, to her, you know, I've been married for a while. I'm the head of household. You need to do what I tell you to do, right? And she's on this side. She's explaining to me that if you're the house, of, house, you know, the head of household, I am the neck. And I will turn the head 
whichever way it needs to go. So we're having this conversation, and then the phone rings. It's my sister. I'm like, hey, how you doing? Oh, we're great. Dinner Saturday? Of course we can come over. Yeah, see ya. And then you, you're just like your mother, right? You turn it on and off. So anger, we, need, we can turn this on, on and off. And we can control it. And folks, honestly, we better learn how to control it in this world. And you see, the Bible says in Proverbs 29, 11, it says, A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. Sometimes we get angry and we say, I'm going to give that person a peace of mind. And when we do, we have no peace of mind left. I mean, fool just spats out everything. And that's what's happening. The wise man can control it. We just go on a rant. What I'm trying to say is that first flash of anger over and over in the book of Proverbs and all over the Bible says we are to control it. We're to confess it. Consider it, contain it. And folks, sinful anger needs to be condemned. Why do we defer anger? Another reason is so we can differentiate. Is it godly, justifiable anger? Or is it sinful anger? Is it righteous or is it sinful? And sinful anger is to be condemned. It needs to be dealt with just like any other sin in our life, rejected and confessed of and repented of. It's, it's folks, it's, just, it's not a weakness, it's wickedness. It's one of those things that God is showing you that you need to work on. And what is sinful anger? Well, sinful anger is pretty much anger without cause. If you look at Matthew 5, it says, But I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, that whoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of judgment. Without cause. And, you know, the many times the problem is not what somebody has done, but it's the problem within us. You see, when anger comes, another thing when you analyze it, you need to look at yourself. It could be our own frustration. It's our own lack of peace with God. It's sin in our lives. That's the true reasons that we get all this sudden anger and go off on people. And sinful anger is really also centered at the person rather than being centered at the offense. And when you get angry, your anger makes you hate a person rather than what that person has done. You know, it burns that desire of revenge. It's cherished up. It's stored up in the heart. But folks, we can't stir up anger. We can't store it up. But some people love to hold on to their anger. I'm never going to forget this, right? That sinful anger must deal with it like we deal with any other sin. And sudden anger is to be controlled, is to be condemned. And again, if you look at our verse 11 in Proverbs 19, it says, The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger. But his glory is to what? His glory is to overlook transgression. What a glorious victory it is when you learn to pass over transgressions. That is, forgive and to forget. Some people don't seem, you know, that they're able to do that. You know, they can't do what Princess Elsa sings. Let it go, let it go. Sometimes we just need to let it go. Why do we store it up? And again, it's like an acid that destroys its own container. It's just destroying you. And the person you're angry at is just 
having the time of their life. So it is to be conquered. So we need to forgive, forget. And if you look at Proverbs 16.32, he says this, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. The Bible tells us you're to rule over your spirit. You're to be mighty. And God has given you that ability to overcome this stubborn anger. If somebody can make you angry, folks, and really it's because you don't rule your own spirit. Did you know that? You see, if somebody can push a button and make you explode in anger, you're their slave. They can make you angry anytime they want to. All they got to do is just push a little button, bang, there you go. Who's in control? Not you, them. Why? Because you haven't ruled over your own spirit. And if you look at Proverbs 25, 28, it says, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like what? Is like a broken a city broken down without walls. You know, you guys know I like history. Alexander the Great conquered the world, but he couldn't conquer himself. He had anger issues too. And we're better to conquer anger than it is better than it's to take a city. That's what the scripture tells us. How are we going to do it? How are we going to deal with it? Well, Ephesians 4.26 says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Now, he's talking about stubborn anger here. When you let the sun go down on your anger, that is when you live with your anger. You know, a husband and wife, for example, get into an argument, but rather kneeling before bedtime or before they go to bed, they just go to sleep back to back, right? They don't apologize to each other. They don't say anything. Do you know what you've done? You basically open the door for the devil to come in. You're giving him a little foothold. Why do I say that? Because I didn't read you the whole thought from Ephesians 4.26. If you look at 4.26 and 27, it says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. And verse 27, nor give place to the devil. So when you do that, what you're really doing is giving a foothold, and believe me, you Eve, he is ready to come in. He's ready to come in your life, into your family. And this, the stubborn anger, devil has a campground on. So even if you have a, say, for example, Ron and I are angry at each other. What I've done is not really just put us in danger, but also put my family in danger. Because what did I do? Because I have this anger. I've given the devil a stronghold. I said, come on in. And the devil has six steps how he's going to destroy you with just that one little thing. He has six steps. If you look at Ephesians 4.31, it says this. We're in Ephesians 4.31. Let all bitterness, that's one step, and wrath, two, anger, three, clamor, four, and evil speaking, five, be put away from you with all malice. That's six. Let me show you what happens. First of all, when we get angry, he's talking about bitterness here. And bitterness is like, folks, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. That's what bitterness is. And bitterness is a feeling of resentment when somebody does you wrong and you think, uh, or you think you're somebody done you wrong, you get bitter in your heart. And bitterness is associated with taste. You guys ever drink black coffee? You get that bitter taste. 
in it. I like my coffee with coffee and cream. I mean, coffee is great, but sugar and cream are awesome. It's too bitter. They leave a taste in your mouth for a while, that coffee taste. And how bitterness works, something happens, something offends you, somebody wrongs you, or you think that way, you perceive it that way, and you have a bitter moment. Now, if you look at that, the Bible calls that in Hebrews 12, 15, it's a root of bitterness. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. And, you know, for example, I, I don't know if you guys mow your lawn or whatever during the springtime, but you get those little dandelions, right, and you just cut it off, but have you really dealt with it? No, because it's the root of bitterness. That's what it's like. And there's the root of bitterness. It gets in there. You begin to feel hurt, your rights, right? My rights have been trampled on. You feel that way, and somehow your rights been overlooked or something. Somebody's done you wrong. You get this bitterness, but then what happens? The next thing, the word here, if you look at Ephesians 4.31, says wrath. The word wrath comes from the word, word Greek, and it's not baloney. It means hot. You get hot-tempered. You get that burning cessation. You know, bitterness turns to burning, and it starts there, fumes up, and it burns. Anybody know that feeling? It's an ugly feeling. And it starts with bitterness, and then it goes to that burning, blazing thing, and then anger it turns into anger. That's the, that's the third. If you continue looking at it, that's the third thing. Now, wrath speaks of which is on inside, but anger speaks of which is on the outside. And then it goes on to clamor. What's clamor? Well, that word means of being vocal, being loud, you know, literally means shouting. It's an outcry. It could be a cry of tears, it could be, but it's often shouting. Have you ever noticed that when people start get angry or they argue, they get louder and louder, and you ask them, why are you getting so loud? I am not getting loud. Anger many times finds its way into verbal shouting matches, name calling, you know, pearls in the office home or whatever in the store or in church, and then it turns to evil speaking. What's evil speaking? Well, most of the time we see it's character assassination, spreading lies, insinuating things. Anger is one of the key reasons why people slandered each other. There's evil speaking, slander. I hate you, right? Which turns into those words. You know, I wish I was never born, you were never born, or those kind of things, those hateful things. And we're on the roll. And when we're there, the devil's saying, sitting there and saying, oh, also tell him this, right? And you say those things too, even though you don't mean them, you, but you verbalize them. And it's all because it started with this bitterness turned into burning. Burning turned to anger. Anger turned to clamor. Then it goes to evil speaking. And then the last thing here is malice. Malice is when you want to hurt somebody, right? Maybe you want to hurt them physically. If you can't hurt them with your fists, you find some other way to hurt them. Maybe it's with your words. Maybe with your money. Maybe it's somehow you will just want to hurt them, something evil. And folks, the devil is just sitting there grinning. That's what he's doing. But you see, the, you, you, you can't blame the devil. 
you can't blame the devil because you're the one that let him in. You're the one that let him in. Proverbs, I'm sorry, we read as we read in Ephesians, be angry and do not sit. And the verse 27 said, nor give place to the devil. Who gave him that place? You did. Because you let the sun go down on your anger. You're living with it. You see how terrible it is? Hideous. And we have so much anger in our world today. And that's exactly the way it works, isn't it? Free psychology lesson. You don't need a psychologist because the Bible tells us exactly how it works. That's how it works. So it needs to be controlled. Think it through. Sinful anger is to be condemned immediately. Confessed. And folks, again... You need to recognize it. Trace it back. Why am I such an angry person? You need to repent of it. What's that root of bitterness you have? Go down, analyze it. And in Ephesians 4.31, it says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away with you with all malice. All those things that we just talked about, Paul says you need to put all those things away. Are you willing to put it away? If you're not willing to put all these things away, folks, then you can just forget it. God's not going to do it for us. You can whine and cry and all that stuff, but until you put it away, and the word repentance means until you have that change of mind, until you say, I'm sick of it, I'm done with it, I don't want it, I choose against it, until you say that, then just forget it. And then, folks, we need to also kick the devil out. When you repent, you recognize your anger, you need to kick him out. And what I mean by that, because you let him in, you've given him a place, you need to kick him out. You're not just going to do it on your own. You need to do it in the name of Jesus. And we read about, you know, when we studied James, and James 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you, but again... Can't just say, hey, not have a Christian life go style going on and say, hey, the devil to leave for me. He's not going to leave you. Remember, there's an example that says, Paul, I know these processes, but who are you? You can't just, he's not going to just kick out. It's the Holy Spirit that's in you. And in Ephesians 4.30, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. What does that mean? Folks, we have the Holy Spirit is in us. He's going to give you the power to do that. And it's also going to help us what Paul writes in Ephesians 4.32. So if we got this anger, what, what does Paul say in 4.32? Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiven one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. What's kind mean? Kind means to be soft, mild, means you're not harsh. You're not a hard person. You know, you're, not, you're going to combat bitterness. All those things that we talked about, slander. And it's hard to have those qualities if you're a kind person. Then he talks about tenderhearted. It means compassionate, merciful. A tenderhearted person finds it hard to slander someone. It's hard to start clamor, blow up on someone when you're a compassionate person. And then it says forgiving. Forgive out of goodwill. 
And folks, if we can't forgive, we will be the bitter ones. We're the bitter ones. And out of that bitterness, all those things, things come out. But notice what he says, as God in Christ forgave you. So when you have an issue of forgiveness, think if God was dealing with you and his forgiveness towards you, how are you dealing with forgiveness towards somebody else? And I'll tell you, we better get into Ephesians 4, book 4, and Proverbs and learn how to control this sudden and stubborn anger. And, you know, I know some people that are been in anger for such a long time. It's like something their parents said to them 20 years ago. They're still not speaking terms. Or their child, you know, or, or something like that with family. And really, if you analyze it, it's a silly thing. Shouldn't even be discussed. But they're still holding on to this thing for years and years. They're nursing it and feeding this grudge. And it's not worth it, folks. And let's go back to our text again and briefly want to touch on what is righteous anger. When is it okay to be angry? Because it is okay to be angry. And in Ephesians 4.26, it says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your wrath. Well, be angry, be angry. We know how to obey that one. But wait a minute. It says, and sin not. There's an anger that's not a sinful anger. And if all anger is sinful... If all anger is sinful, then Jesus was a sinner. Let me give you an example of that in Mark 3 and first six verses. I want to read you guys a story there. And we'll kind of discuss what righteous anger is. And he entered the synagogue again, and the man who had a withered hand... So they watched him closely whenever he would heal him on Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful on Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he looked around them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as a whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out immediately and plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. Now, Jesus was moved with righteous anger. You can be angry and sin not because Jesus also was without sin. And when I'm trying to tell you, you can be good and mad. You can be. You can be good and mad. You can be angry and sin not. As a matter of fact, there's some things that don't move you to anger, I think there's something wrong with you. Do you know what moved Jesus to anger? It was the attitude of these Pharisees towards this poor, paralyzed man. He was a man who needed, he was in deep need. And here were other people who were filled with selfishness, pride, arrogance, and self-seeking. What did they have against Jesus? wasn't primarily what he was teaching or preaching. Their problem was not necessarily theological with Jesus. It was personal. And what was happening was Jesus was stepping on their toes. He was stealing their mojo, right? If you look at Mark 
12, 38, 39 says, Then he said to them in his teachings, Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, love greetings in the marketplaces, best seats in the synagogues, and best places at feasts. So all these people, they had these priests. There they were people ragging on them. They were all kind of respected. The people were following them. They had chief places where they sat and so forth. Now the crowd is going after Jesus. And they were filled with this rotten envy. That was their problem. They're filled with selfish pride, self-seeking. They did not care for people that were hurting. And you know, sometimes uh, we get the idea that love keeps us from being angry. But sometimes love is that makes us angry. I mean, when we see people that God loves, made in the image of God, being destroyed, you know, for example, the killing of babies, abortions, doesn't that make you mad? There's certain things that should stun you. When you see the effects of sin affecting the world, that's what should be making you mad, not the Republicans or Democrats. It's the sin. You know, marriage is being destroyed. That should anger us. Justice corrupted. That should anger us. And all these things, this anger should be channeled into prayer, and we just really need to tell Jesus on it. That's what we need to do. Shouldn't steer you, but move you. They did with Jesus. And Jesus never got angry when somebody harmed him. You'll find Jesus was never retaliating. Even when they were, he was crucified, he never got angry. But he was moved with anger, with righteous indignation, when he saw other people being misused or abused. Now, righteous anger is aimed not primarily at the person, but at the injustice. Not primarily at the sin, uh, at the sinner, but at the sin. And I know that some people say that's fancy footwork. And folks, let me clear something up. Yes, while we are on this earth, you should love the sinner and hate the sin, but also remember that it is the sinner that goes to hell, not the sin. But folks, while we'll be on this earth, what I'm saying is you should be angry at the offense and not actually at the person. So how can you do this? Can we do it? Can we love the person and hate the offense? Of course you can. Of course you can. You see, I get angry at me, but I love my wife's husband, right? Have anybody been angry with yourself? You want to kick yourself in the butt, saying, why did I do that? That was stupid. But at the same time, you love you, don't you? You love you. So why can't you apply those same principles to somebody else? As a matter of fact, the reason you love you is because you get angry with you. And that's what those love that was motivated by the Lord Jesus Christ. Do we ever get angry at our children? I hope that it's because you love them. Love and anger are not mutually exclusive. And I'm talking about that good anger, godly anger, the righteous anger. Sometimes Anger's love is the clearest expression, but we need to be careful. Face it, anybody can be angry, right? It's easy. But to be angry with the right person to the right degree at the right time for the right purpose in the right way, that's not within everybody's power. That's not within everybody's power. And folks, and a person right now living in this world that will be angry and not sin must not be angry with anything but sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, righteous anger, godly anger is not getting even, even with somebody. It's not trying to do somebody harm. 
It's a righteous indignation and does not sin. It comes out at the right time. It's expressed in the right way. And it's against the right things. And righteousness can be channeled. Now, God's going to help us to do this when we let the love of God steer in us, in us. We'll take a stand for those who are being harmed and those who are being hurt. And if you look again in Proverbs 19.12, one last thing I want to show you here in Proverbs before we close, if you will. And if you're not a Christian, if you're not saved, if you don't know if I died today, would I go to heaven? Look in verse 12. The king's wrath is like a roaring lion, but his favor is like a dew on the grass. Now, the king of kings is Jesus. He is the lion of Judah and tribe of Judah. And you can face his wrath if you want to, or you can get his favor if you want to. And if you want the king's favor, like the dew on the morning grass that says here, that's sweet, gentle, loving, fruitful, life-giving, you can have it. And if you don't know Christ today, you can be saved today, not face the wrath of God, king's wrath. And folks, we're not going to be able to conquer anger or anything else in our lives unless we have Christ on the inside. And it's not the victory over the devil or over these things that we need. Uh, You know, the victory over the devil is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the victor. That's what we need. It's having Christ on the inside. So you need to be saved, be born again, born from above, and it's meaning that every sin is forgiven. To be saved means Jesus Christ now lives in us, and when you die, you go to heaven. And folks, in Matthew 5, 14, it says, you are the light of the world. A city that has set on a hill cannot be hidden. Basically, it tells us to shine like a light. But what happens when times like this come? Christians aren't the light. We're like the lightning ball, right? Pow, pow. Are we angry this morning about things happening in our country, in our family? Are you bitter? Why are you angry? Ask those questions. Have you sinned in your anger? Take a moment and examine your own heart. And folks, God is in control. So sometimes... You know, we get angry. Sometimes we need to think and analyze it. Am I really trying to go against the will of God? God said kings. He removes kings. He does what he wants. But sometimes we just feel because we have certain feelings that it should be this way. Well, think about it. If God is in control and you truly believe that, why do you have those feelings? then let God do what God's going to do, right? Why are we trying to change things? God has a way, and our job is to be obedient to him and put our trust in him. So our lives should be matching up to our words. And that way you also have peace in your heart, and you won't have the singer. But the question is, are we willing to pursue being the people, the new people, God saved us to be. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. And we ask that you let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, all these evils speaking be put away from us with all malice. As you should not have a place in our church or individual lives. 
And Father, we ask you for your wisdom and guidance and that we keep you and your word in the center of our lives in everything that we do. And I pray as we leave this place today that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.